You're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you've tuned in. This is the second episode in a series where I put the spotlight on gratitude and being thankful in difficult times, even when it doesn't really feel like we have much to be thankful for. In my previous episode, which I hope you'll check out if you haven't listened to it, I talk about how to cultivate peace even when life is just crazy and feels out of control, how we can do that by turning to God's word and and through, through prayer. So I hope you'll check that one out. And in this episode, I want to talk today about how we can be thankful even when it feels like God isn't answering our prayers and he isn't coming through for us. Garth Brooks, country singer, in the 90s, he came out with a song that was very popular called Unanswered Prayers. And in it, he tells basically the story in the song about how he and his wife go to a football game. And when he's there, he sees this girl that he was in love with in high school. And he talks to her momentarily and he is kind of surprised when he talks to her because he doesn't have the same feelings for her anymore. And she's really changed and the feelings between them have changed. And after he talks to her, he looks over at his wife and it says that he thanks the Lord for what he calls unanswered prayers. Every time I hear that song, I always think to myself, what he means isn't really that God didn't answer his prayers. He means God didn't really give him the answer he wanted because in my estimation, he, he really did get an answer, but maybe Brooks is onto something in his song because the truth is when we don't get the answer we want, we assume God isn't answering our prayers But is it possible that God is answering our prayers, but he's doing so in a different way than we want? Now, certainly God can delay answers. There are times that he doesn't answer us right away. But then there are other times where he does. And I think that, again, it may be so different than what we expected that we may assume that he's just not answering us. The Bible tells us to be thankful in all circumstances, However, if you're anything like me, it's really hard to be thankful in a situation where you've been praying and crying out to God for relief and it feels like he's not answering. It feels like he's ignoring you. It feels like he's just out to lunch and you're left to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with and you're thinking, God, where are you and why are you making me continue to go through this or why aren't you coming through for me here? What what are we supposed to do then? I want to turn to a verse in a passage. I shouldn't say a verse. It's actually an entire passage in Mark 6, 45 through 52, where the disciples must have felt like Jesus was not answering their prayers. He sends them on ahead of him in a boat and they get caught up in a horrible storm. Right before this, Jesus had performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with just a few loaves and some fish. But after all that's over, Jesus sends the disciples on ahead and 
they go out, they're rowing out into the middle of this body of water and they get stuck in a horrible storm and it's very dark and they're tormented by waves and Jesus knows what's going on with them. It says he's in a mountaintop praying. He goes up to a mountaintop to pray and he sees what's going on with them, but he doesn't come right away. And he finally walks out to them and it tells us the fourth watch of the night, which was would have been very early morning, probably 3 a.m. It was the last, will be considered the last watch of the night. And he finally does walk out to them. And when they see him, they are frightened and they think he is a ghost. And it's only after he speaks to them that they recognize him and the wind dies down. So I want to read to you from this and you can follow along or just listen. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Three observations I want to make about this particular passage in talking about those times where we feel like God, where are you? Why have you left me out here in the middle of this lake? And I just don't feel like you're here. I don't feel like you're paying any attention to the agony I'm going through. Three things we can learn. Number one, Jesus sends his disciples into the storm. It can feel very confusing when we are walking in his will and he is leading us and he sends us to a place that yields a storm. We can often, when we get to those places, mistakenly believe God doesn't really love us because if he did, he surely wouldn't send us there, right? But the reality we see in the passage is that Jesus knows what will happen to his disciples when he puts them in the boat. And it's not that he's being cruel. It's not that he doesn't love them, but he has specific reasons for doing what he does. But we can learn from this passage that sometimes the places God sends us is going to yield to us a storm. And that can be just a comfort to know that because we can be in that place and just be so confused and think, well, you know, Lord, I thought I did what you said. And am I not acting in your will or what's going on here? And just to know that can be a comfort and know that sometimes it's not going to be the ending we had hoped. It's not going to yield the result we thought or anticipated it's going to yield a storm. Number two, sometimes Jesus won't feel all that near, even when we're walking in his will. Another point I want to point out is that in the passage, Jesus isn't with the disciples in the boat when they encounter the storm. He is again, as I mentioned, he's in a mountaintop praying. There is another situation when he's with the disciples. You're probably familiar with it where he is in a boat with the disciples and they get caught up in the storm. And then he wakes up at the urging. He acts immediately, he calms the storm. But in this instance, the disciples are in the boat and he is on the mountaintop. And here the storm comes up on the disciples 
and it drags on where they are rowing for hours and they don't receive relief that they so desperately want. It tells us in Mark 6.52, it says they are straining at the oars with the wind against them. And if you actually look at the word straining in the Greek, it is actually is means tormented that they are tormented by the waves that it is it is something that it's not just a little you know hiccup in their day that they're going to easily get past they are working so hard to get across this lake and they are pretty much stuck with the wind against them and if you're listening and you tuned in because you're in one of those places where you're just in the middle of what feels like a complete nightmare that never ends and it just seems like you cannot get to the other side of it or that the problems just don't stop coming. It's like waves just hitting and bouncing you about and the wind against you. You know when you read these words that you know exactly what that situation feels like. And yet Jesus does not immediately come to them. Though he sees them struggling in the middle of the lake, he is not unaware of what they're going through. It's not a surprise to him. He isn't too busy. It's not like he wants to get to them, but he's really tied up over, you know, in this other place. It He knows what's going on with them. And he could co- have come much earlier, but he waits until the right moment, knowing that their faith will increase if he does not go to them right away. I love what Joseph Benson commentator says on this. He says, thus Christ ensures his disciples first to lesser difficulties and then to greater. And so trains them by degrees to live and walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, as we're growing and we're walking with, with God, we will have situation where situations where he feels far off. And these are given to test and grow our faith. And we can be thankful even in those really hard places where it feels like we're in the middle, we're not sure what God's doing. It's very dark. It's really not clear. We haven't really gotten to where we hope to go, the destination that he's sending us to. It feels like he is far off. We can even be thankful in then because even in those situations, what we learn in the passage is that God still has his eye on us. Jesus sees the disciples It tells us he knows what's going on with them. And we can be thankful because he sees and knows and he has not forsaken us even when it feels like it. So even those situations where we're crying out to him, we don't understand why he doesn't immediately intervene. He is aware of everything that's going on and he will step in when the time is right. So we can trust that he will intervene when it's the right time. But there are some things that he often asks us to do on our own. And of course he's with us and his presence is with us, but there are some steps we have to take, some action steps at times that he will, you know, give us the guidance, give us the direction to go. But it's, you know, we have to put one foot in the other. In this case, the disciples had to row in the storm. Number three, if we're not careful, we can grow hardened in our difficult circumstance. When Jesus does walk on the water out to them, they don't recognize him and they are frightened by him. So what exactly happened? How could they not recognize the person they had been walking around with who, you know, they were familiar with who was their friend? 
Mark 6.52 tells us they had not understood about the loaves. Their, their hearts were hardened. So what that's referring to is even though they had just seen Jesus perform a miracle and feeding 5,000 people before they had gotten on the boat, they evidently had forgotten about his incredible power in their current circumstance. And they had lost their faith or belief in Jesus that he could help them out of this particular circumstance or that he would. And they can't see what he's doing nor understand it. Thus, even when he comes to them in the water, they do not recognize him and they are afraid. In fact, he, they think he's somebody, a spirit coming to hurt them. And it's, it's Jesus. And in a similar way, we can allow ourselves to become hardened in our own circumstance and have a similar reaction to Jesus's aid. The word hardened here not only can refer to someone hardening his heart to protect himself from pain. We all kind of know that cliche that, you know, if you go through a lot of pain and difficulty that you can become very callous and hard. You're just protecting yourself. You're just bracing yourself for what's next. You're trying to shield yourself from more pain. So that can mean that here. But another meaning for this word is simply that a person is hardened in the sense that they can't perceive a situation. Lisa Turkhurst, she says, when God's ways are sometimes the opposite of what we want and expect, we can miss God's answers when we get attached to the outcomes of our thinking. So what she's saying there is we can hold so rigidly to our own ideas. Like I think what we do a lot of times is when we have a difficulty or a problem that we come up with our own solutions or we just... Think of things that, wow, okay, Jesus is going to do this for me because this is the clear exit out of this situation or Jesus is going to point me in this direction and we can get so fixated and just so um, so hardened in our response um, that we're really expecting one thing and we, you know, when God doesn't really meet the expectation or he doesn't show up in the way that we thought or doesn't give us the answer we want, we can mistakenly believe that he does not want our good and misunderstand his intentions and completely miss him entirely and what he's really trying to do in a situation. Most likely the disciples generated their own expectations about how Jesus would rescue them. They couldn't comprehend it was him when he showed up differently than they expected. I mean, we don't know because it doesn't tell us, but maybe they didn't expect he would walk on top of the water in the dark. Maybe they thought they would see him once they reached the other side. Or maybe they thought before the storm came up that that Jesus was only going to be gone for a few minutes and then they'd see him on on the shore or, you know, they wouldn't have to go through the storm without him. Whatever the case, they allowed their expectations to fix their minds in one direction and then couldn't comprehend it when he didn't meet their expectations. So when we're in a really confusing circumstance where we're struggling in the middle, like these disciples in the middle of the lake, instead of allowing that to harden our hearts, you know, towards Jesus, like close ourselves off because we're we're so embittered by our situation or we think that God is hurting us um, with what he's allowing. And instead of letting those thoughts uh, penetrate or instead of just coming up with our own solution and then expecting that and not being open to anything else, 
we can keep watching for God's answer and not allow ourselves to become hardened or embittered. As humans, we do not like circumstances that are confusing or unpredictable. We try to fix situations we don't like, and without meaning to, we often create expectations of God and others to make it work out the way we envision. As I mentioned from Lisa Turker, she talks about a lot of times our expectations can just give us an idea of an outcome, make us attached to an outcome that really isn't God's outcome. It's more just what we're wanting in a situation. And it's not necessarily what he has in mind. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. God gave us minds so we could think and plan. It's a good thing to think through a situation, to try to come up with a solution, to try to plan. But we also have to understand that his plans will not necessarily follow ours. And so the the best thing we can do is continue to stay attached to him and to say, God, you know, what is it you're doing in a situation? Help me to see what it is you want me to see. Help me to know what you want me to do. Or what am I supposed to be learning here? Or what is it that I can, a next step I can take? Or, you know, Lord, I don't see you. Can you, can you help me to understand what you're doing? Or can you help me to feel that you're near? Can you give me some kind of sign that you're, that you're here and I'm in the right place? We can pray those things and we can really stay connected. And he may not tell us why exactly we are where we are. He may not answer every question, but he will give us reassurances when we're there. And again, if it's something that he wants us to show us from the situation that we're going through, then when we're open to seeing that, that he's going to show us what that is. One of the things that I thought about, there have been so many times where I haven't been just a little surprised by God. I've been shocked to the point that I think I needed to, it just, I can't even say that there, I mean, I can't even explain, but there have been a couple times that I can think back on where God surprised me so much and did something so out of what I even expected that it just, it was like I, I needed a few days or a few weeks to even wrap my mind around it. It just blew me. Like, you know, there is that kind of expression, mind blown. And I think people kind of overuse that. But there have been times it's like it just came out of nowhere to the point that I could not even wrap my mind around it. And I think that's kind of the experience the disciples are having in this boat. But one of the examples I thought of when I was looking over this is when I... um when I learned that we would be moving to the area we are now, I very much resisted it at first because it just was not what I was expecting at all. I, you know, we, we were living in an area that I loved. I loved the school system. I loved the area. I, we had friends, we were connected to, um, a church and I had been praying for some changes in, in some areas I had been praying in that way. But I, I really just thought that God would just tweak a few things in the area we're living in now at the time, then I should say. And I really thought that there would be some changes in people around us or maybe a tweak or so in, in a few things with where we're, where, you know, 
where we were living, but I didn't think we would have a major, major change. And I remember my husband mentioned to me that he wanted to apply for a job that was not very close to us and would mean that we'd have to move. And I, I remember just resisting and thinking, you're, you're just out of your mind. Like that is not where we're going. And then I started to pray about it. And it's just like, God just washed over me when I was reading devotion that same week. And I just remember stopping and thinking, oh my goodness, God wants us to move. And then it just kept, he kept on confirming that. And I, I knew that we were going to move. And it was just one of those instances where it just shocked me. I mean, it just blew me out. I just could not even wrap my mind around it. It just was so out of where I'd even, there were, there was never, a, I had never had a thought in my mind in that particular season of my life that we would be moving to the area we were. It just took me so by surprise. And even when we we're looking for houses out in the area, there was nothing about it that felt welcoming, inviting. It didn't feel like I wanted it to feel. It it didn't, you know, as we we're going through, I wasn't immediately drawn to really the area. I, I really, if anything, was a little bit skeptical about moving. And now we're four and a half years in. The shock has worn off. I've learned to accept the unfamiliar aspects of where we are. And now where we are, it just seems normal. I still miss sometimes the area we moved from, but I know that God moved us here. My kids are thriving in their schools. They have friends and, you know, the house we're in now is a better fit for us in this stage of life. It's got an extra bedroom, which is nice because we added a kid on after we moved. Um, but, you know, honestly, it, it was it was a bit of a stretch. It wasn't really what I wanted for myself. However, if I'd simply kind of gone with my feelings at the time and made a decision based on those, then I would have never tuned in and heard what, what God was saying in, in moving us on. So I want to wrap up by saying making plans is is good. Asking God to intervene in a situation is good. However, when we develop expectations of God in a situation, we may not see what he wants to do. I mean, our minds can get so, I would say, fossilized, you know, where we're just, I'm, I'm seeing a person that literally their neck is just, you know, they are turned in one direction and they cannot even see anything else around them because they are so only looking one way. So when, when we do that, we may like the disciples in the story may be shocked, um, may be surprised, may not recognize Jesus in our situation. So what we can do is we can keep our minds and hearts open and hold our plans very loosely, allowing him to do as he pleases and just being open to him in our circumstance saying, Lord, what is it I'm, I'm, I'm needing to learn here? Which way are you having me to go? What, what can you give me to help me get through this circumstance? Even when the way he leads is dark and unfamiliar, we can thank him. If we are following after his lead, even if it leads to dark places, we are never out of his sight. And that is so comforting because I think a lot of times we tell ourselves that he doesn't care about us or that he doesn't know what's going on with us or he doesn't care. And that's the opposite of true. If we are a believer, we're a follower of Jesus, we're following and walking with him, then he is going to lead us in the way we should go. And and another side note, I want to say too, if you're one of those people that's, you're kind of very sensitive 
and you worry and you think, oh, I, I, I'm not going to know the way to go or maybe I've missed out on what God wants me to do. No, the thing is, if we're tuning in to his voice, if we're spending time with him each day, we're reading his word, we're praying to him, we're attempting to listen to what he has to say for us, we're going to know what step we need to take. But even if the way that he leads seems very dark, very unfamiliar, we can thank him. Not because we love where, where it is, not because we're thankful for the hard things there, but in following after his lead, he is, we are never out of his sight or reach. He has us just where he wants us. We can trust he will do what's best in our situation and lead us where we need to go. Even if it is a place we hadn't necessarily expected or first seen. Lisa Turker says this, I know I've been quoting her a lot in this, but she says the center of God's will is always the safest place to be, even if it doesn't feel safe. And that's the thing. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it won't feel safe. Sometimes we won't love being there, but it is always the safest place to be. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, sometimes the way that you lead isn't what we expect. It shocks us. It leads to trials in our life. Sometimes we're literally tormented like the disciples in this passage. We're tormented by the problems that we face in life that we encounter when we follow after you. And those places can be very confusing. We can think you've left us. We can think you've abandoned us. But Lord, help us to be encouraged when we, when we read this passage and to know that, Lord, you do not leave us. You do not forsake us, even though it feels like it at times. Sometimes you allow hard things to test and to grow us, but you don't forsake us. And Lord, just like you did in the passage where you came to them and you spoke to them and you told them, you know, that it was you, that you'll do the same for us, that when a trial stretches for a long time, we can lose heart. But Lord, if you haven't spoken in our instance, we can still keep going, keep trying, keep praying, Keep reaching out, knowing that when the time is right, you're going to help us take the next step and help us go the way that we should go. Thank you, Lord. You never leave us. Thank you. You love enough, us enough to lead us. Help us to resist lies that would tell us that you don't love us, you don't care for us, and that you're not leading us. In Jesus' name, amen.